And just like that, we're back. Views from Section 400. You know who we are. It's Matt, Jack, and Brian. Back again for another action-packed episode, basically, of NFL Pod. And we got a little midweek action. Schedule's still a little crazy. We're still adjusting as we're uh, fresh to the new year here. Uh, But, you know, we got NFL playoff weekend the opening weekend we'll cover all the games i'm sure i'll still find a way to call a game dog shit as i have all year long for the horrible slates that we've had all year can't wait to see if that happens so tune in for that um but yeah the beginning here we'll run through our midweek stuff we know the world of sports has been pretty crazy uh uh, ever since you know we rolled into the new year so that never uh, took a break um but yeah we'll roll uh with some you know sports conversation topics crazy shit going on then we'll roll into the nfl slate playoff weekend super wild card weekend as uh the new term they use in the nfl which hey i'll i'll take an extra game i'll take an extra team why not why not but let's get right into it uh like i said schedule's been a little crazy this is the first part of the show midweek pod if you can just watch through you'll get all the picks for everything um if you you know watch till the end so definitely i know it might be a little bit of a longer show but definitely stay tuned we're covering a lot of stuff and we will get into those highly requested red hot maybe not myself nfl picks um but yeah before we get to that we have to address the washington huskies unfortunately our future bet has come to an end they floundered didn't show up to play don't really know how to explain it. I guess Michigan just was that good. Uh, Brian, I know you were a big part in having a lot of money on the future as well. I mean, what's what's the reaction, man? I know we had the live show kind of showing our live reactions, but after a couple days to sit on it, think of it, think about it, you know, how, how's it settling in the stomach? I know you got sick afterwards, so maybe that was part of it. Yeah, no, I've had a I've had a head cold for about two and a half days now. So I think so, somehow, some way, uh, Penix and Odunze and that defense that refused to get off the bus for the first quarter contributed to that. But yeah, that that was tough. Uh, definitely check out the live show. It's all recorded on our YouTube. Uh, if you didn't and you want to see some of us go through our soggy sorrows, uh, no tears officially came out. But after the camera stopped rolling, you best be blessed that um, a little tear came out of my eye. But yeah, that was tough. Um, it was the type of game, you know, all season long, they were giving us chest pains and the, there were these games against these teams that you expected them to beat. And then they just find a way. And that whole third quarter, that defense was showing up and then the offense got the ball back and it was a holding penalty or a false start or a drop pass or a missed throw. And eventually you were just like, you know, I, I don't think it's in the cards. And then it just all came to- shooting down tremendously in that fourth quarter when Michigan scored like 21 points to make it look a lot worse than it was. But they, you know, it was a fun ride. I had a great time with our Michigan future. We'll get into our other future a little bit later. That's also looking kind of good. But yeah, it's tough. It it was a real tough pill to swallow. One thing I will mention is the refs were a little bit suspect in the game, just a little bit. And I think Jack was onto something that he saw pregame. So Jack, I'll let you go into that. Yeah, Matt, you were you were sitting there when you opened this up and you just said, how did you feel now that you have had a few days to sit on it? Now that I've sat on it for a few days, the one thing I keep on going back to, the one image in my head is that ref walking out with Jim Harbaugh, uh, you know, out onto the field. And I'm just sitting there like, 
what is going on here? Why is he leading the charge with the Michigan team and, and Harbaugh? But it, like Brian said, uh, it really came down to Phoenix and him not being able to get the job done. The, the defense did show up and made a n- numerous amounts of stops uh, to start the second half, really gave the offense a lot of chances to get it going and get back in the game. But he looked like Trevor Lawrence in in our Week 18 game, you know, as we crashed and burned against the Titans. I don't think we, we're going to have to get into that too much today. My, my Jags aren't in the playoffs anymore, so... I don't really have to talk about how much of a letdown that was, thankfully. But yeah, he just, he, Phoenix just didn't make the throws down the stretch. Uh, you know, whether that was his O-line getting shredded by by Michigan's good pass rush or his receivers not getting open, not catching the football, really just wasn't a, a good day for, for that Washington offense. And we lost our future. It, it happens. They made it all the way there, but it's tough. Yeah, the amount of times on stream you just went, oh my God, he launched it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but we don't need that kind of juju. And then he just kept on doing it, kept on overthrowing that receiver. And yeah, that, that was tough. We don't have to, we don't have to get into your Jags. You went live and got, got roasted enough by Matt's brother out of all people. But Oh my gosh, Noah Cullen gave <laughs> me the juice, dude. Yes, the apple doesn't fall. Something right. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, I guess, uh, on that one. But yeah, dude, Penix, he, he he didn't make throws in that title game that he made all year, consistently all year. And it's not like Michigan was playing this outstanding defense where the D-backs were, like, just locked down coverage. I mean, some of these receivers were wide open, like wide open. Yep. And Penix wasn't making the throws that he made all year. So that's a little mind-boggling. Um, if Washington off, Washington's offense clicks that game, they probably do their consistent 36, 37, up to 40 points. And what, Michigan had, what, 34 points? Yeah. Sounds like you w- but, I mean, they really sound- had like 27 or 20. They- exactly, though. But either way, if Washington's offense clicks, Penix makes those throw, or the throws that he made all year. It's obviously a different story. And he can't let that, I guess it was left or right tackle, number 73. He had a couple critical holding penalties at the end of that yeah. game. That really, I mean, I'm not going to say it cost them the game, but it had a big, big part in, uh, you know, swaying the momentum to Michigan's side for them to then go and put the nail in the coffin and close the game out. So I thought things, uh, you know, how that played out definitely played a big part uh, in that second half for uh, Washington's chances. Obviously, as one future bet comes to a close, we still got another one that's looking relatively alive. The Oklahoma City Thunder are 25 and 11 and a half a game out of first place, basically in first place. I mean, they've been teetering there all year long. I think at times of the year, they were even in first place. So they're right there. And, um, you know, we're approaching halfway through the season. I think we see what teams are going to be now. And the Thunder are relatively legit, right? It's not like they had a hot, you know, first 10 games and and fell off. Um, They've been relatively consistent through this first half of the season, and they have the pieces on the team to do it, right? Shea Gilgis-Alexander, MVP candidate, might even win the thing this year. Chet Holmgren, blooming into a, a absolute rising star and, and all-star at that. Um, and, and a couple other pieces that I want Brian to jump into because I don't want to steal all the Thunder juice. I know he's rocking the Thunder future as well. So, Brian, what have you liked about the Thunder so far this year? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned their consistency, but it's 
it's not even just consistency. They're consistently beating teams that are supposed to be at the top of the West. They beat the Nuggets twice in the past two weeks. Um, and that's with Jokic playing and Jamal Murray playing. And, you know, everyone's playing now because of the NBA's uh, stupid rest. I guess not stupid because people are actually playing, but the rest rules. So, yeah, they, they're beating the Nuggets. They beat the Celtics already. They beat the Clippers. They're, they're beating good teams, mainly because of SGA, as you mentioned. Chet's been great. Chet might steal the Rookie of the Year from uh, Victor Wembanyama, as crazy as that is to say. But he has just as many blocks as him, and he's a better offensive player, at least right now. And then they have, yeah, Jalen Williams. Josh Giddy is still balling because the, you know, that whole situation just progressed to nothing. Uh, that's about as far as I'll go with that. Uh, you guys don't need to hear any more takes on that whole thing. But, yeah, guys like Isaiah Joe are getting minutes and producing for them. So they're, they're just a good team. The issue with them is always going to be behind SGA, do they have that second superstar? I kind of wrote about it uh, a couple days ago. Josh Giddy maybe could be that guy. Chet maybe could be that guy. But until they get that second real scoring star, they're going to have trouble in the playoffs unless, you know, Alexander can score 40 a game, which he's capable of. But at the odds we got this future at, I'm loving it. You said, obviously, they're a half game out of the West, and the team they're behind are the Timberwolves, who have already started to fall off. So, you know, the, the Thunder are looking great. The Timberwolves are definitely fraudulent energy. But, Jack, what do you got on that, dude? I was just going to say, you know, the Timberwolves were my team uh, in the preseason. I told you guys about put a nice little future on Anthony Edwards to win the MVP. Not saying he will not looking like a favorite by any means, but that dude is different. Yeah, I love it. And Edwards is electric. Definitely a, just, you know, good player and a pretty funny character, man. Do you guys see the tweets that he was sending out of the, or somebody leaked the screenshots of him with that girl that like, I guess he got pregnant and then just like literally like had no care in the world. Like the girl was like concerned and he had like no sympathy, like just like, like take the pill like yeah, I, I don't need a kid i'll pay you money was... and let's roll on like you know i just thought that was a little bit ridiculous but i guess uh when you just uh say hey i'll wire you 100 grand in 10 seconds shuts people up real quick Dude, the nba is just a reality tv show I swear. it really is <laughs> it's unreal <laughs> it really is but i mean the rest of the west western conference right i mean clippers have been pretty solid with James Harden, and they obviously have the other pieces to complement him nicely. Paul George and Kawhi are usually ball-dominant players as well as Harden, and they've kind of made it work with you know them all being ball-dominant. Um, I guess more is just like after those three guys, who the hell else do the Clippers have? Um, I mean, Brian, is there other guys that are like just like massively contributing, or, or is it – yeah, Not so the case. it really helped them moving uh, Russ to the bench. He's playing like 20 minutes a game now. And it's helping. Uh, Russ is a great player, but obviously you saw him with the Lakers when he was playing extended minutes. It just didn't work. He's not the type of player at this point in his career that he's so ball dominant. He just can't be on the floor, especially when you have those three stars. But um, in terms of other players stepping up, they, they have Norman Powell, who's, you know, game of zones legend. Uh, just that guy that's in the background of every good episode. role player, good role player, <laughs> great role player. And then um, Terrence Mann, somehow I think Terrence Mann shooting like 85% since the calendar flipped to 2024. And that may only be like three or four games, but Hey, when, when you have James Harden, just kicking it to you for a corner three and you're hitting 85%, that's a pretty good piece to have. Um, and then, yeah, they have uh, Zubac, the Serbian, just 
a big guy that's not going to shoot from anywhere outside of seven feet, but he'll get rebounds and he might miss a layup, but then he'll get the, his own board and make the layup. So that's, that's about the Clippers for you. Yeah. Zubach's classic uh, eight points and 10 rebounds stat line pretty much consistently every night. Um, but Hey, I guess that's all they need uh, out of their big man. When you have, you know, those other ball dominant superstars that we talked about and with Russ, I mean, how I mean, he's just seems like such a great role for him to be like that leader of the second unit almost mm-hmm. um, and just, you know, control. I mean, that is an awesome piece and an awesome role for him. And it's nice to see him kind of like take the back seat. Right. Because we know he's kind of a little bit of an ego guy um, always with with just postgame interviews or whatever the case may be. He's always got something to say. Um, but Look, it's a good spot for him. He he obviously clearly probably wants to win. He's got enough money to where it doesn't matter anymore. So I think that's a great spot for him to kind of be a leader of that second unit. And, you know, he's he's playing mainly against other teams' backups, which is pretty good spot for him to be in, and he can kind of show dominance in that smaller role that he now has. Um, I know we talked – or. or we saw the in-season tournament. Lakers obvious, obviously won it and have now fallen off a cliff. Uh, they look horrible. Um, I don't know why they were like so good in the in-season tournament. I think that shows that no one really cared and or the Lakers tried. I don't know what it was, but the Lakers have kind of fallen off a cliff. I mean, they're borderline going to be out of the playoffs. I mean, what, they're a playing team right now? I know yeah, they extended they're, 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 it, so it's... They're the ninth seed right now, so yeah, playing. Yeah, I mean, they extended it, what, where like 10 teams get in now, so it's like even harder for them to kind of miss the playoffs completely. But LeBron, LeBron's old, man. I, I don't see him carrying a team in the playoffs, but we've seen it time and time again where he was able to do it. But that was, that was, you know, back in the Mickey Mouse 2020 year. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if we'll get that again, again, again this year, but I guess we'll see. And then what warriors are a mess and what the hell's going on with Draymond Green? Well, yeah, before I get into the whole Draymond thing, I will say the Lakers are kind of, they're in the same position they were last year where when LeBron plays, they always have a positive plus minus. They're always winning games. And then once LeBron hits the bench, uh, things just turn into a disaster. Anthony Davis is not the same player in the second half of games, and he's not the same player without LeBron James on the floor. And yeah, until you can't play LeBron James 35 minutes a night at 40 years old. So that that's going to be an issue for them. If they make the playoffs, they can probably play in that long. But if they don't make the playoffs, obviously they're cooked. Um, but yeah, in terms of Draymond, he's back practicing with the Warriors somehow. I guess he's not going to talk to Vince McMahon to try to get into the WWE. He's still planning on playing basketball. Uh, so yeah, the Warriors are a game under 500 right now. Uh, the day of this recording, I think they play the Suns. To, or not the Lakers play the Suns. So either way, they're not looking great. They're old. Their young guys aren't very good. Obviously, they traded Jordan Poole, but he's not very good either. So. Yeah, they're kind of in a weird spot, and I guess Draymond helps them. But with the way he's going, he's probably going to punch another guy in the face or possibly bring out one of John Morant's guns and cause a scene. So, yeah, that's it's not good in Golden State. But, yeah, I mean, back to the Lakers. Jack, I know you're a huge LeBron guy. Like, what, what's going on? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a LeBron fan. Um, no, I, I've talked about this before uh, with the Lakers. They gave that in-season tournament their all. Uh, with the ter- current team they have, they don't have the durability to go win a championship in, like, the actual playoffs. 
Uh, AD and LeBron, we know them. We love them, but they're not durable by any means. You know, LeBron with the age and AD with the injury history, you don't expect them to go out and go win, what, three or four series uh, in the actual playoffs. They gave the in-season tournament their everything because they knew that that was their everything. They can still make the playoffs, don't get me wrong, as a play-in team, but I don't think they're going to really want to because I know that LeBron knows he can't go all the way this year. Yeah, it's going to be tough for them to turn things around, and it's easy to go all in you know, for a tournament a month into the season, but we still have uh, half the regular season to go here. So don't think it's looking good for them uh, when playoffs roll around. But again, especially, you know, the Western conference is, is pretty tough. I mean, they're not, it's not going to be a cupcake walk. So even, even, even if they're in a play in spot, those playing games are going to be tough for them, let alone actual the actual bracket. Um, right. So that's, that's the Western conference, the Eastern conference, the Celtics have been unbelievable, like absolutely lights out. You know, Tatum's Tatum, superstar, you know, always MVP candidate. Whether he's going to win it or not, that's to be seen. But, you know, pretty much an MVP player. The rest of the squad obviously lights out too. Jalen Brown, you know, doesn't have to be the main guy, but he is a main guy. He's, uh, you know, all-star caliber. And, you know, I'm not going to say MVP candidate, but, I mean, he, he can he can have nights where he comes close. And he definitely is a very solid player. So uh, they have some pieces there. And the addition of Kristaps Porzingis is looking like, uh, you know, a, a magical a magical play by the GM. I forget how they acquired him. I think it was uh, via trade. But, um, yeah, he looks like an awesome addition uh, to, the, to the squad. And, uh, yeah, I think they're going to have a real shot to make her out in the playoffs and, uh, you know, win the whole thing. So that makes it tougher for the rest of the Eastern Conference. The Bucks are still there, sitting there at two right now. Obviously, Giannis lighting up the score, uh, you know, stat sheet, points, rebounds, assists, you name it. He's going out there and dropping it. Um, and then, you know, they're just lights out team. And then the Sixers come in at three. And they're a little bit of a weird team because Joel Embiid is actually playing like an MVP a center averaging almost 34 points a game. I forget what his average is, but it's up there. Uh, he's put in, in the double-doubles consistently, and he's getting assists. He's pushing for triple-doubles. I think he's heard all that Jokic as a passer talk, and he said, nah, hold my beer, watch this. And he's lighting it up with assists um, on a nightly basis. And look at Tyrese Maxey. Everyone said, can he take the next step? He's taking the next step. If you don't have him listed as an all-star this year, I don't know what kind of basketball you're watching because the guy's averaging 25 points a game. And I don't know what his assist average is, but it's 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 up there. So um, look out for the Sixers. They're definitely a force. Still not going to be uh, unrealistic. I got to see them get out of the second round. I've seen too much. And we probably had a little bit better teams. You know, I think our best shot was that Jimmy Butler year when we lost to Kawhi on that last shot in game seven, I think that was the most realistic best shot we had to win the title. And it really hasn't, hasn't been the same since. Um, and, you know, I, I still think the second round is going to be tough for them, but they're deeper now. They do have an actual, you know, reserve bench team, second unit, whatever you want to call it. They haven't had that in years past. So that's a positive. Um, we'll see if they can get it done now with, uh, you know, just, Basically, Embiid and Maxi as the two main guys. I know they've always kind of had that second superstar style player, you know, uh, James Harden, Ben Simmons, uh, stuff like that. But 
we'll see if Maxi can evolve into that. And uh, as he kind of already has the first half of the season, we'll see what happens in the second half. But uh, yeah, Brian, what do you got on the Eastern Conference? I know the Knicks are there and the Magic have fallen off uh, after I said, oh, look at the Magic. They're in second place. And now they're back to being the Magic. Yeah, yeah, the Magic are 500 and at the bottom. Well, not at the bottom. They're at the bottom of the playoff teams in the East right now. But it's still a good team. Uh, Jonathan Isaac is hurt again. That's not that he's been a big part of the team, but he's just always on the IR. I guess it's just out in the NBA. But yeah, you talked about the Celtics. That Porzingis trade really, really helped them. They haven't really missed Marcus Smart at all. With Drew Holiday there, they really just got a better Marcus Smart that can defend and actually score now. And he doesn't think he's the guy like Smart did when he would just, for some reason, try to take game winners when you had Jason Tatum on your team. But yeah, Jalen Brown certainly helps now that he can dribble with his left hand. Uh, That was a big Achilles heel for him. And now he seems like he's ambidextrous. So Celtics fans have really liked that out of him. And then the Bucs. The Bucs are weird. You mentioned this, uh, the Sixers might have troubles getting out of the second round. I think this Bucks team might have troubles getting out of the first round. So in their last five games, they have lost to the Pacers twice, and they did have Halliburton there. And uh, I'm fortunate about Tyrese Halliburton. Hopefully he gets better because I've loved watching him this year. Uh, but, yeah, they lost to the Pacers twice. They lost to the Utah Jazz. They lost to the Houston Rockets, and they beat the Spurs, the five-win Spurs, by four points. So I don't know what is going on in Milwaukee, but they – they are not in a good spot right now, and they have not won a game yet without Damian Lillard this year. So if anything happens to him, they are, I mean, for lack of a better word, fucked. But yeah, I really like the Sixers. Tyrese Maxey's playing like an all-star, and Beats playing like the MVP. Those two alone can carry them, I think, to at least an Eastern Conference Finals. And I know they have a lot of problems once they get there. Yeah, who knows with them. But yeah, that's really all I have here. Jack, is he, I know you kind of talked about the Knicks getting fleeced in that Raptors trade, just like we all did. We all thought they kind of got fleeced, but they've won five in a row. So if you've seen anything from them or anything from any of these other teams. Uh, as far as teams in the East go, uh, the Celtics are fucking gas, dude. They're about the only team that I've really been paying a lot of attention to just because they seem like a wagon right now. Um, you know, I do want to ask the one question, though. Who is J- Jason Tatum's NFL player comp? Is it Josh Allen? He gets all the way there. Can't 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 get the job done. I'd put him a little higher than Josh Allen. Uh, I, I I I think a little lower. Really? I mean, I think, Tatum's been to the finals. Josh Allen hasn't been to the Super Bowl. Yeah, but Tatum hasn't really dealt with the Mahomes in the East. Giannis. I, I guess, but Giannis, I guess I don't know. I mean, it's tough to compare, but I don't know. I think Josh Allen is is kind of. There, I'm trying to think of anyone else, like in terms of a quarterback. That's like maybe. Uh, yeah, would it be? Would it be a quarterback comp? Does it have to be a quarterback? I mean, you would think probably, right? Yeah, the leader I mean, of the team. Leader of the team. Yeah. Right. I think Herbert would be disrespectful to Tatum, so I won't go there. That would be disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, that would be. But like somewhere in between Herbert and Josh Allen, I'm trying to think of someone in that category. Jalen Hurts. Yeah. It's, it's not horrible. I think, person. yeah, that's actually pretty pretty good. <laughs> it's I mean, pretty good. Hurts got himself to the finals and loss as well. Right, yeah, right. And he's, you know, perfect. been pretty solid. Um, I know this year has been a struggle with the turnovers, but still put up a lot of touchdowns. Yeah, um, he's got the great team around him. Yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. actually a, that's a good comp right there. Not bad, right? 
But any um yeah, I mean Jack. Who do you, you think who do you think gets it done first? Tatum or Hurts? Hurts. I mean you say Hurts? Yeah. I was gonna say probably Tatum. I don't think Tatum's <laughs> ever gonna get it done. I, I'm, I'm a uh, anti well, I guess I'm an anti both of them, but I just I don't think Tatum's ever gonna get a final. I mean it's so hard to tell, right? Because football is way bigger in terms of like more players on the field. Um, and like, like basketball is only five guys and one guy can take over. Sure. A guy can take over in football, but it's a little bit harder. And like, you know, yeah. Tatum's always on the de- plays defense as well. Maybe he doesn't play good defense, but he's on the floor and has to play defense. Like Hertz isn't out there when the defense is playing college basketball. Obviously you've been seeing the article plays have been relatively red hot. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, there's a couple of losses trickled in there. Um, I would say the only like bad play was the Louisville one. Um, that yeah. Was, yeah, that was that tough. Was, that was probably a tougher, you know, I think what they were, you took them plus 16 and a half and would they lose by 30? 34. Yeah. So that was the only one that I think was like, I think all the other losses were relatively close. And then that one was just, just the bad one. But then yeah. obviously the wins outweigh the losses. Yeah, we're we're twenty one and ten right now. I think that equates to like seventy one percent. So uh, doing pretty well. We got Tyson Walker over eighteen and a half points tonight on the road in Illinois. So we'll see if that gets to gets us to twenty two and ten. You'll know by the time you listen to this. But yeah, I've I've enjoyed doing the write ups. Doing the appreciate everyone that's been riding them with me. I know we got a couple couple buddies out there, Ben, Steve, that have been asking for the article plays every day. I know uh, some guys. Matt's work have been writing the article plays, so I appreciate everyone that's been following, and uh, I've been loving doing it, especially in this crazy season that has been college basketball. Yeah, the article plays, and then even in the office, I've been handing out some, you know, midday office sweats, like for games that started at like 11 o'clock or noon, and there's only been two, but they both hit 2-0 and in the office sweats. <laughs> uh, one of them was like Sacred Heart minus eight. They won by 14. And the other one was the other day, I think either yesterday or the day before, was Green Bay minus eight uh, over IUPUI. Yeah, which IUPUI is such a, just so bad. But Green Bay started that game out. I mean, I think early on they were down by like 10 points in the first half. So if they didn't have such a bad start, that would have been a 20 point win for them. Still end up by winning like, I think, 10 or 11. So 2 and 0 in the office sweats. Obviously, I was only doing that with a couple of my coworkers, but. Had to throw that out there because the midday office sweats have been red hot, and I wish they had some more midday college basketball so uh, I could uh, I could do that. But I don't think we get a midday game for a little while here. No, but um, speaking of midday games, I forgot to mention this in the NBA, and I'll be quick because I know we got a long show. But I did mention it in my article today. So the NBA had a Paris game today. Were either of you aware of that? No. The only the only reason I was aware is because somebody on my fantasy basketball team was like injured and they said he wasn't or like maybe who is the Cavs playing over there? It was the Cavs and the Nets. Yeah. So Darius Garland, there was some kind of update where it was like, I don't, he's not playing in that game, but he should be good to return. What it was like, he, he should be on track to return when the team gets back from Paris. And yeah. when I saw Paris, I was like, Oh, I didn't even know that. I looked it up and I saw they were having a Paris game. But if that, if I didn't, you know, if I didn't get that update from an injured player on my fantasy basketball team, you're right. Would have had no idea that was going on. Yeah. So just think of the, the head of Adam Silver and the schedule makers that have already been faded all year long here. So you see this ratings on Christmas Day and you got absolutely shit pumped by the NFL in every game. 
why in the world would you not schedule this game for a couple days later in like a matinee late afternoon Saturday or Sunday in Paris so the fans can still go, still have a great time, and you get it at like 10 a.m., like a, a Premier League time slot right before the NFL games start. Every single person that's watching the NFL playoffs would be like, oh, yeah, this is a nice appetizer. I'll tune into some Paris NBA, even though I don't care. It's it's live sports. Maybe I'll throw down the over and try to get an extra bankroll for these NFL games. It makes so much sense, and it's sitting right in front of you. And the NBA continues to shoot themselves in the foot by putting a, a big game, a Paris game. They do it once a year, and it's on a Thursday afternoon in the middle of a workday in your biggest market. It's just like it makes no sense. So I just had to get a little rant out there because I just I saw that today, and it just made me mad. Yeah, Jack, what do you got on that, dude? Yeah, I don't know what the deal is with scheduling and, and all that jazz, but I'm with you, Brian. I mean, that sounds like a, a nice little treat to have before kickoff on Sunday. And, great. You know, as long as I'm not running to the store for booze and wings, I'd definitely sit down and watch that game, bet the over. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, I think you. I think you said it perfectly, dude. Nice little appetizer for for NFL playoffs. Butchered it there again. You have to also understand they probably have to work around the rest of the NBA schedule. Um, you know, there's usually a lot of like Saturday games. I don't know. They, They've like, been scheduling and, like teams to play back to back at the same location. It's yeah, the, but you got to schedule the scene. They, they got to come all the way back from France, get readjusted to the time zone. I don't know. I, I'm sure that had a play had a part to play in it, but either way, would have been better to see on Saturday. They're pro players making millions, like tens of twenties of thirties of millions of dollars. I think they can handle a little time zone time zone switch up yeah. for a couple days. But yeah, let's jump into college basketball because it has been pretty crazy, and it is a little bit of a shit show right now because and it usually is a shit show every year once we roll into conference play because we see these top teams and we're like, oh my gosh, this team looks unstoppable. And then we kind of roll into conference play and it's like, oh my gosh, anybody can lose. Um, so we'll start with the, you know, teams who everybody probably thinks has the best chance of winning at all. Kansas and Purdue both lost this week. And I think it was multiple times or, or they uh, had. So they both lost once. Kansas almost lost at home to TCU. They needed a Hunter Dickinson just fuck it, give up all to Hunter and do your thing. He scored with like five seconds left. So they escaped that game, but then they got chip pumped by UCF. Yeah, they're they're in a weird spot. And then Purdue lost earlier in the year, and they got killed by Northwestern um, or Nebraska. They got killed by Nebraska this week. So it's interesting it's stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, it like I said, every year college basketball starts to turn in. You know, you don't want to call it shit show. It's just competitive. And luckily, so far. Um, you know, we haven't been destroyed by like transfer portal super teams yet. I don't know if we'll see that going. I know kind of college football has a big part in in guys just like randomly jumping out um and, and doing all that good stuff. But uh yeah, I mean, look, now that Saban retired, uh has half the Alabama uh, I guess roster uh, opted for the transfer portal. Yeah, we're, we're uh, Ryan Williams, a five-star receiver uh, that was committed to Alabama, has decommitted. And the rumor on the street is he is going to join Terry Uno Thompson and Cam Coleman, create a little freeze five down there at Jordan Air. Might have the best offense in the SEC next year. Could be pretty electric, dude. Auburn, Auburn's like, Auburn's loading up pretty nicely here. I mean, 
for Auburn football and fans and students and even the players, I mean, Saban retired might or retiring might have been, you know, one of the best uh, yeah. post Christmas presents you guys could have got because they're, uh, you know, Auburn, regardless of Saban retiring, they already had some some high class recruits uh, committing. Um, I know we talked about that on on previous shows, but now that Saban's retired, doors open. It looks like uh, there's already one guy trending that way. Still wait to see a decision on that, but opens up the door and uh you know these teams went to bama because obviously they wanted to play bama uh one of the best programs and they want to play in the sec so you figure these guys will probably jump over to another sec team auburn seems like a great out being just down the road in alabama but yeah i mean speaking of the sec back to college basketball it's competitive this year i'd say there's some hot teams um arkansas and alabama have fallen off a cliff i remember a few years ago maybe even last year they were good competitive programs not that good this year. Um, Alabama, ever since losing uh, Brandon Miller and having all that, you know, heist stuff with uh, the gun and the gun charges and should he be allowed to play, not play? Uh, he wasn't involved. He just provided the gun, which I guess kind of makes you involved. Don't yeah. know how they worked he, that out. He should have gone to jail. Yeah, not sure how that how they sorted that out. But uh, either way, he's in the NBA living life. I guess that's all uh, – water under the bridge at this point. But, yeah, our, uh, Arkansas, Bama, not great. Kentucky, I've been big on them in the beginning. Very young team, so we're going to see them have to go through the uh, growing pains as the year progresses. But they should be rock solid come March Madness, glued together, um, you know, playing with some team chemistry. Rob Dillingham, Antonio Reeves, Reed Shepard, Justin Edwards, uh, so many good guards. You left out DJ Wagner as well, who's also lights out. And, uh, you know, an electric player. So you put all those guys together who just get more familiar with themselves. Now they'll get a little bit of a tougher grind with SEC conference play, uh, you know, playing some tough road games and tougher environments will only make them that much better uh, when the, when the big, you know, the dance rolls around in March for March Madness. I don't want to say anything here, steal your guys thunder, but the Auburn Tigers, 13 and two, two and zero in conference play nationally ranked i think top 15 approaching the top 10 Brian, take it away yeah so a couple things about the sec um i'll start i guess i'll start on auburn yeah they were 16 in the last ranking on tuesday and then they went into arkansas and beat the razorbacks by 32 points in bud walton their biggest loss ever in that arena so i told you a little bit more about arkansas the fact they shot like 35 percent at home uh, but it tells you a lot about Auburn, too. Auburn has a great defense, and this year they finally have a great offense. Um, I'll let Jack kind of get more into the players when I hand it off to him. But, yeah, I really love Auburn. And the, the Auburn Tigers, I don't know if you guys have looked on the books lately, but they are the favorites to win the SEC. Now, I will say I am a betting man, obviously, but if I were a smart betting man, I think I would take Kentucky with a little more juice at plus 400 to win the SEC. I do think Kentucky – is the best offensive team in the country right now. Their defense, they're middle of the pack. They're not great. Ken Palm reflects that. But in terms of just pure offense, they can beat anybody just by scoring. Uh, they average like 90 points a game. It's absolutely unreal. But yeah, this is going to be a three-team race in the SEC. It's going to be Tennessee, Kentucky, and Auburn. Uh, maybe Alabama can make some noise if they can figure out their struggles because we saw in the non-conference they can score 100 points a game if, if they're going right. But, yeah, it's a three-team race. The Auburn Tigers should be a top-10 team after this week. They play LSU at home on Saturday, so they'll get a win there. And then when they come out on Tuesday, they should be in the top-10. But, yeah, Jack, I, I want to hear your take because 
I know we've been talking about it offline, but tell the people about these Auburn Tigers. Dude, I love it, man. War Eagle. These uh, these Auburn Tigers are awesome. There's a couple of vets that have been there for years now that you just have grown to absolutely love. Uh, Dylan Cardwell is is the, the the very outspoken leader on the team. He is by far the biggest Auburn ambassador of a human being, uh, and he's he and he shows up, you know, off the court and and on the court. He I don't know, you know, as far as you know, league leading, but he gets blocks, he gets rebounds, and he puts down the hammer on some nice dunks that really energize the team. There's also uh, Jalen Williams. He's been on a tear, fifth-year senior. He's been around forever. He's got bounce. He's got – he plays great defense. He can hit the long-range shots. It's amazing watching him play. Uh, very active on the boards, putbacks. It's awesome. And then, uh, you know, the last vet that I want to talk about is Katie Johnson. What an absolute spark plug. That kid is out of his mind, probably needs to be on some medication, but <laughs> – we don't want that to happen while he's in an Auburn Tiger uniform, dude. He's crazy. He's hustling all over the floor. Uh, if you've ever played pickup against that really short kid who's just way too fast and steal the, steals the ball from you every time you try to walk the ball off the court, that's him, dude. It's just it, – it, he's relentless. That's the best word for him. Uh, and the energy is, is is second to none. It really is. So between those veterans uh, in Bruce Pearl's scheme – and all the newer young guys uh, like Aiden Holloway, Donaldson, um, up in the backcourt, dude, they're they're electric. They can shoot it from anywhere. They feed it inside really well to our guys. Um, and I haven't even touched on Janai, uh, excuse me, Janai Broom, who's debatably our best player. Um, really hones into that power forward position. Uh, maybe you know, in 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 college basketball, he's a center, but really a power forward and he can do it all underneath. And uh, I need to see him, you know, keep on working it inside, get into the free throw line, start hitting a little bit more free throws. I think he's only shooting uh, in the high 50%. Um, so needs to be better hitting those free throws, especially when we get into tournament play, but I'm loving these Auburn Tigers, dude. There's nothing I can complain about right now. Riding them at home, absolute wagon against the spread. They'll make you some money. Believe me. Yeah. I love the, of those guys you mentioned, I think more than half of them come off the bench. Bruce Pearl gets like 45% of his team's points from bench scoring. He plays nine guys, 10 if uh, Lior decides to get in the game for five minutes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they're, Auburn's deep. They play this tenacious defense that they're able to play because all the guys are playing like 20 minutes a game. So they give you, they're all for five minutes and then they head back to the bench. Um, so yeah, there's a lot to love about Auburn. I know I said I like Kentucky a little bit more with the juice to win the SEC, but Auburn to win it all um, has some good juice. Just because they're not going to get tired, they score the basketball, they play defense, and they play a lot of guys, and not a lot of teams can do that. Was um was that guy you said, Jack, the uh the best player? Was he the guy who was doing the uh, airplane after the monster slam the other night? That was uh, the guy I led with, Dylan Cardwell. Uh, uh, I was going to say, I think he might be the best player. Yeah, he's very vocal. He's a fifth-year senior. He's big. He's strong. Um, you know, he's he's a he's a man amongst you know boys when it comes to college basketball at, at at his age and his size. He definitely provides, I would say, the most important plays outside of the the big splash threes from Holloway. He he provides the most important plays to to energize our team. He's he's huge on and off. The issue with Cardwell, I, I mentioned some guys, like most of the guys are playing 20 minutes a game. He's playing like 12 just because 
he gets the blocks, he gets the steals, he gets the dunks, and then he gets five fouls in about 15 minutes just because he's yeah, all over the place. So that's, yeah, I guess that's an issue. But I mean, in terms of energy, like he just he provides that for you guys, and you're definitely going to want to see him play well uh, in conference play and then down the stretch um, because that, you know, it's young college kids, man. I mean, they thrive off that energy guy and, and the crowd thrives off it and just, you know, it, it's, it rolls into, into continued success. So uh, I know you said, I guess he has a smaller role. I didn't realize it was that small, but um, you know, we'll still need him to to play a big part going forward, but just to wrap up the sec, you know, we have South Carolina and Ole Miss off to, I guess, hot starts. I don't know what South Carolina has been doing, but Ole Miss is 14 and one and they just beat Florida at home last night where they were, um, you know, home underdogs and they, they took care of Florida and Ole Miss is like 14 and one right now. Um, you know, and I think undefeated in conference play, I will say before conference play, their schedule was horrible. I mean, they were not playing good teams at all. Um, they, they, and beat, I, the, they beat Detroit mercy by one point. <laughs> I was going to say, I think they even like some of the horrendous teams that they were beating, they, they barely won. So we might see them, probably we'll see them fall off. But, hey, look, when you have a hot start like that and you're undefeated like that, um, you know, things start rolling, rolling in the right direction for you. So if they stay hot, team will gain some momentum, and we'll see what happens there. Maybe they can be a dark horse uh, uh, as, the, as the year rolls on and we, and we roll into March. But, yeah, I mean, that's kind of it for the SEC. Is South Carolina, like, uh, same, like, 14-1 and one kind of thing? Or? Yeah, so they're – they're 13 and two, but I, I do like South Carolina a little bit better than Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss does have our old friend, Alan Flanagan. Um, so I won't shit on them too much, but, and, and Chris Beard is the coach. So it's a good program and the non-conference start will probably get them like an 11 seed, even if they struggle in the SEC. Right. South Carolina has one of the best players in the SEC though. Uh, this kid, Michi Johnson, a guard, he, he can give you 20, 25 a game and a lot of assists, a lot of steals. He'll probably end up on the first team All-SEC. Besides him, though, they aren't very deep and they can't score the ball very well. But he's good enough to carry them to some wins in the SEC. So we'll see how they do. I lean them a little more in terms of if you're going to pick a team to make a run just because I know. True. But that'll uh, it'll be interesting to see as we uh, roll on here. But let's jump over to the Big East. That's been a little bit of shit show. We thought UConn would run away with it. Um, even Marquette uh, up there with UConn, but both teams have shown the ability to lose games. Um, UConn, probably the most complete team. Um, but yeah, Marquette, didn't they like lose at home the other day? Yeah, they've lost two home games. They, they lost to Seton Hall at home and then they just lost to Butler at home. Which is, uh, Butler's a pretty bad loss. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of the same track they had last year. I think they... They started off well in the non-conference, and then they, they struggled in the beginning of conference play, and they ended up winning the Big East. So I wouldn't say it's a panic button for them yet, but, yeah, Butler Butler's a bad loss. They got blown Espe- out. Especially too. at home. Like, it, 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 if they lost to Butler at Butler, like, okay, whatever, conference, road game, whatever, you can usually let those slide, especially early on. But, like, a home loss to a team that's probably going to finish closer to the bottom of the conference than top of the conference – Pretty bad there. So uh, Shaka Smart's got some things to figure out if he wants his team uh, roaring to go for March Madness, which he's a great tournament coach. So mm-hmm. I don't have any doubts there. I'm sure he'll have them ready to rock and roll. Uh, and that brings me over to the Villanova Wildcats. Obviously, you know, got the big family ties to the to uh, you know Nova. So you know, 
Big Nova football fan. No, nobody will ever wants to talk about that because it is uh, <laughs> Division One AA. But um, who won that championship before we uh, before you get into your Nova thing? I know Montana State was playing. Um, it was Montana State versus South Dakota State. I want to say a football da- Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I want to say South Dakota State won. What was like that? Aren't they lagging out there? It was the New Year's weekend. It was the New Year's weekend. Uh, Yeah, South Dakota State won. So shout out, shout out the Jackrabbits. Yeah. So they they always win it. It's usually North North Dakota Dakota State's been the been the team to beat. South Dakota State has kind of taken the reins the last couple of years. Montana's usually has been like a team who usually gave them a run for the money. Obviously, JMU was always up there too until they. uh, you know, got promoted up to uh, the better football, as Brian likes to call it. Um, but, yeah, jumping back to Villanova basketball, inconsistent play is what's going to kill them all year. I'm still not a believer in the coach, Kyle Neptune. He's just – he's no Jay Wright. Obviously, Jay Wright, you know, established himself over the course of 10-plus, 15-plus years. I forget how long he was there, but it was a while. And to just go to this now – and still have like competent rosters. Like if Jay Wright's the coach right now, they are not this inconsistent. And that's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. They would be a way better team, probably hovering around the top 10, top 15 range. If we're being completely honest, just the way he's gotten his teams to play. But yeah, Nova's got, got some things to figure out. Uh, They're a weird team. Like they'll lose at home. They'll lose in a big five matchup to Penn, but then they'll go on the road and play teams tough. And, um, you know, I think they're a team that on, on the right night, they can probably beat anybody, but the inconsistency is probably going to be their downfall uh, as we roll closer to March. But yeah, Brian, why don't you uh, bring us through the rest of the Big East here before we go into the NFL? Yeah, um, so just to touch on a few things you said, UConn, I talked about them being one of my three teams I think can win it all. I'm still, they've struggled a little bit, but I'm still sticking with that take. They're definitely the most complete team in the conference and maybe college basketball. They'll be fine. Um, Villanova. Villanova is the type of team that can go maybe – they might go under 500 in the conference, but then they might turn around and go to the Mecca and win the Big East tournament in March because they're just that talented. And Eric Dixon might be the best player in the conference still. So that's some I, – I just don't know what to make of them. Um, and I don't think I'll know they're what to make of them. Inconsistent until, is the best way to put it. Yeah, and with with that being said, they can go on a run and win the biggest tournament and then win it all. But if they're a bad version of themselves, they could flame out in the first round. So you never know. Uh, I will say before we move on from the Big East, St. John's with Rick Pitino, look out for them. They might they just beat Providence, a Providence team without Bryce Hopkins. Um, so Providence is a little rattled without him. But St. John's got the job done, and that might be a tournament team uh, with Rick Pitino in his first year there. So watch out for the Red Storm. And then before we move on, uh, I don't know if you guys remember a couple years ago, there was this team in New Jersey, 15 seed, ended up making it to the Elite Eight called St. Peter's. They were led by a head coach named Shaheen Holloway, who then took a job at his alma mater, Seton Hall. Seton Hall has beaten Marquette, they have beaten UConn, and they've beaten Providence this year. I, Seton Hall's not that talented, but I'm kind of seeing this Shaheen Holloway magic, and I don't know if they can sneak in. Get him into the tournament and see what happens. Yeah, those Jersey boys are tough. But yeah, then you know we touched on Marquette, uh, kind of struggling a little bit. Um, but I think you know they'll get to the tournament, and Shaka Smart will probably have those guys willing to go. So probably not to worry. But again, that Butler loss is is pretty bad. I mean, yeah. that, that's that's really bad. But 
kind of the last conference, I guess, that everybody really cares about, the Big 12. Kansas talked about them. They've been electric, but have also lost. So they've shown an ability to lose. But Hunter Dickinson, obviously, probably – is he the best player in college basketball? Yeah, my – well, there's three that I've had my eyes on. Hunter Dickinson's obviously the big one. Zach Eady, another. He's probably going to win the Naismith again um, just because he's Zach Eady. Uh, I don't like Zach Eady, but people like him. And then Tristan Newton, who I called the LeBron James of college basketball at UConn, is still doing his thing. And there was one more, uh, Terrence Shannon at Illinois, but he has a whole thing going on right now with legal troubles. So he's not going to be close to that best player. But yeah. Yeah. And then you got, uh, what, Houston finally lost. They looked like a team that was uh, unstoppable. But again, those conference road games are extremely difficult. And we saw it there when they went to Iowa State. Had a chance to win that game, and they just kind of stumbled across. They just can't score the basketball, man. Yeah, they, right? they, they play you, such a weird style where it's kind of like UVA, where they slow it down so much and rely on their defense so much that they don't really have the opportunity to come back if they're not shooting well. And, I mean, they have good players, but if they're not shooting well, they're, they're just going to be screwed. Yeah, I do like that. Who I guess, is it their point guard? I forget his name. But he's like he's pretty unbelievable. I mean, he he can kind of hit shots wherever and hit clutch shots. J- Jamel Sheed. Yeah, um, I think that's it. I mean, he hit a couple of clutch shots. Obviously, they didn't win the game against Iowa State, but he had a couple like where it's like, hey, you need a bucket here, and he's taking like you know, uh, f- like foul line extended jumper, um, where it's like, oh my gosh, you need a bucket. That's not the greatest look, and just drained it. So yeah. a couple shot uh, clutch shots out of him. That'll probably uh, translate well uh, when the games really matter in March. But, um, yeah, I mean, what? We got Baylor, TCU, and Oklahoma, who are all sneaky. TCU should be probably approaching into the top 25. I think we'll see that when the new rankings come out. Yeah, Oklahoma, I mean, they're they're in the top 10. I know they lost just lost to TCU, so they'll probably jump out of the top 10. But they've been sneaky all year. I think they're probably fraudulent, though. I don't think they're yeah. a threat. They're not a threat to win at all, but they're sneaky. Um, and then, you know, Baylor's always Baylor. They got the good head coach, some solid players play well. Uh, I think you could probably say they they could be on the more inconsistent side, though, and, uh, you know, drop games where they should win. Other than that, I guess the last college take is, you know, FAU. They've been solid. I don't think they're really trying that hard, which sounds weird, but, like, I just really don't think they're, like, fully hitting their groove right now. They have a talented team. They returned a lot of guys from that final four run last year. So pretty, I mean, I'm pretty confident in them figuring it out. And when, uh, when, when the games, again, like I said, count in March, I think, you know, guys like John L Davis, Elijah Martin, he'll, 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 you know, they'll come to play and their big guy. What's it? Vlad golden. He'll be electric, uh, in the tournament as well. And they have some other solid role players. So pump the brakes. It's all good. Everybody chill out for a sec. Uh, you know, they'll roll through conference play here. Uh, I think they play Memphis twice uh, at the end of conference play. So we'll see how they match up against them. That'll be a good test for them. But it's not like FAU played a nonsense uh, pre-conference uh, schedule. They played some tough teams. So they're, they're pretty battle-tested. It's not like, you know, they were playing a cupcake schedule and now they're struggling. They had a pretty tough schedule uh, pre-conference. So uh, not too worried about them. And uh, Jack, I know you're uh, you're with me on FAU. Um, you know, what have you seen so far from the Owls? 
Yeah, like you said, they've had a tough road so far. And, you know, I think uh, I think I don't know if they're not really trying yet, but I think they they just have a lot of rust to shake off. And I think I'm starting to think maybe because they all knew that they were all returning and, you know, they, they had a good run last year. I'm starting to think that maybe they didn't work as hard as they should have in the offseason uh, to get themselves back in the position where they knew and, and wanted to be. So I hope that's not the case. I'm still big on FAU. I'm big on the Owls, but I, I definitely have lost a little bit, of, a little bit of faith. Yeah, it's tough, right? Because you know they make the Final Four run. Uh, you know that's that's total national coverage. So they get the advertisements, they get the deals, they get a lot more attention in that off season. Uh, you know, which, like you said, they're you know maybe maybe they did take a take a little bit of a break and didn't hit it as hard in the off season, like maybe they should have. But that's kind of college basketball, and that's kind of the midweek wrap, and uh, we'll roll into some NFL. All right, so rolling into NFL Super Wild Card Weekend, whatever you want to call it. We got the extra teams in, but still makes for an electric weekend. I'm all about the teams getting in. Um, I know Divisional Weekend is, uh, you know, everyone really starts feeling that Super Bowl magic a little bit more. But, uh, I mean – is Wild Card Weekend the fa- your guys' favorite weekend of the year? I mean, everyone always talks about it, and they're like, it's the biggest, especially since it's become Super Wild Card Weekend. They're like, oh, my God, it's the biggest football weekend of the year. It's We have a bunch of good games. It's And it pisses me off every time I hear it, just because Divisional, once you get the one seeds in there and you get the teams that actually deserve to be in the playoffs, not that none of these teams don't deserve to, but, like, you get the nonsense seven seeds out there, sometimes the nonsense six seeds out there such better football. It's the best football of the year. And it's still, we get a bunch of games. So I'm personally against this being the best weekend of the year. It's still, still going to be a fun weekend and I'm looking forward to these games, but yeah, next weekend is the one I have circled. For sure. I I'm, I'm with you, Brian. Divisional games are definitely better when you introduce the one C's. It feels like there's a little bit more on the line uh, instead of having them on the sidelines instead of the seven seeds, you know, but uh, th- these games are going to be awesome. I mean, every single one of these teams, they're in the playoffs. I mean, you made it, right? This is the promised land that everybody sets out for at the start of the season. And now any of these games are up for grabs. It really comes down to it. Home field advantage is a huge deal here. The fans, the crowds, it's going to be amazing, man. I can't, I can't wait to watch all these games. Yeah, it should be a pretty electric weekend nonetheless. But, yeah, divisional weekend definitely is uh... – it's a lot more juice because, like you said, those one seeds come off the sidelines and are now back in play. But, uh, yeah, I mean, let's just jump right into the first game here, Saturday at 4.30. You know, we get that, uh, you know, two-game Saturday slate, five-seed Browns taking on the Texans in the Dome, like I said, Saturday at 4.30. I'm torn on this one because, you know, I love Joe Flacco and what he's been able to do and, in, in, you know, the, the short stint he's had so far. Um, and then I'm a huge CJ Stroud guy. So I just don't know how to pick this one. Like I want to see the Browns win. Cause I want to see Joe Flacco go beat Baltimore in Baltimore next week, but I love CJ Stroud. So it's tough, tough for me to sway one way or the other. Brian, what do you got on this? Hey, I mean, I love CJ Stroud too. Um, I just, they, as good as he looked in that first half, last week in that winter go home game besides that connection with nico collins the texans just don't really have anybody their second best receiver 
was their fullback. I don't know exactly what the stats say, but it he scored a touchdown. Um, he had some big catches. So I the Texans just they they made the playoffs, so they're a good team. They won the division, but I just think the Browns are so much better. So I'm taking the Browns minus two. I think it's a pretty easy, safe bet. Um, and now that I say that, they'll probably the Texans will probably win by fourteen at home. But yeah, I think the Browns have this one in the back. Jack, you thinking the same thing there? Yeah, we don't take pushes, so my play is going to be Browns minus two and a half. Uh, <laughs> Brian, if you want to change that, speak now. Eh, I'll keep the minus two. All right, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm riding with the Browns in this one. I don't want to overthink it. I'm going to go with the quarterback here. I'm going to go with the experienced quarterback, even though, you know, Stroud is the future. I'm going with the experience here. Um, as much as I like Stroud, I can't get behind him against this Browns defense. They're an elite unit. I think Joe Flacco knows all he needs to do in this game is protect the football, let that defense go to work, um, you know, trust in the running game. Uh, and I, I think they're going to be A-OK. Stefanski knows what he's doing. And I think the Browns get this one done. I also think that, you know, the, the reps might be in the Browns' pocket in this one. I I, I don't usually consider this in my betting in my bets, but I think they might be for the exact reason you said of they want to see the Browns take on the Ravens in these playoffs. So we'll see if that happens. Yeah, I, it's tough. It's tough for me, like I said, but I think you know Browns. Joe Flacco, what's he? Thirty-eight years old. C.J. Stroud, super young. What's he? Twenty-two or I think he's like twenty-two or twenty-three. Your time's coming, bro. Let Joe Flacco have this one. Uh, well, you know, your time will come. Don't worry. But, yeah, I think I got to roll with the Browns, uh, you know, minus two points. Um, I, You know, I think it's an easy – it seems like an easy line to take. Like, uh, But you did say, Jack, Joe Flacco has got to protect the ball. And as much as he's been lighting it up with passing yards and touchdowns, he has thrown a lot of picks, uh, like multiple picks per game. So – if the Texans can somehow brew something up to where they're forcing turnovers, that'll change the outcome of this game. But I think the Browns defense is obviously, you know, way better than the Texans offense. And, um, you know, the Browns offense is just as good as the the Texans defense, probably, probably a little bit better based on what we've seen from Joe Flacco. So um, I'll roll with the Browns minus two. And I'll also take Joe Flacco over passing yards. I mean, in a dome, like this guy's going to be lighting it up. It's probably going to be pretty high. Wouldn't be surprised if it's like close to three hundred. We're like two seventy three, two sixty eight. I'll take that over all day. He's going to push for three hundred yards in this game for sure. And uh, so I'll go Joe Flacco over passing yards, and uh, I'll also take uh, Browns minus two. Yeah. So we have our first squad ride on the first game of the slate. Let's go. Uh, but Love Jack, it. I, Jack, where you say, Brian? I love what you said about. Um, the Browns defense against Stroud just because I know it was rainy in MetLife or I guess I'll call it Jet Life just to uh, entertain you too but yeah in that game against the Jets Stroud did not look good at all um, and like I said I know it was rainy but this Browns defense is better than that Jets defense uh, so that if that tells you anything about how this game might play out kind of scares me if you're back I think game. I think Stroud didn't have all his receivers for that Jets game but nonetheless uh, the Browns defense is elite yeah, and I know we're squad riding this game uh, on the Browns, but if you're not with us, if you're feeling the Texans, that's on you. But I will say, if they're going to get this done, it's going to be Nico Collins going off. So make sure if you're on the Texans to bet his props. 
For sure. Yeah. That's some good insight there. Right. Because if they are going to go off and win this game, he's probably going to be the guy they're going to need to lead on, or at least CJ Stroud will need to lead, lead on to kind of push the ball down the field. But yeah, that's after that game should be a good one to start off the slate. Cause then, uh, you know, we roll into Dolphins chiefs Saturday night, 8 PM Peacock exclusive for whatever reason they want to do, go throw that at us. Um, I guess everyone's going to be pre-gaming and no one's going to be able to watch the game because who the hell has Peacock? Um, I know it's become more popular now and they've been promoting it now for a few years. So I'm sure more people have it. And look, it is a playoff game. So people are going to, people are going to find a way to watch the game, but Dolphins traveling to the Chiefs supposed to be two degrees with wind chills, like negative 30 or something like that. So Mm. Dolphins are not ready for that. Chiefs, I don't want to say anybody's ready for, you know, negative 30 wind chill, but playing in that stadium or that atmosphere, the home crowd will obviously be on their side. Uh, that'll help them power through this one. So I like the Chiefs in this game. I think four and a half is a lot of points still. I don't know which way to lean on it. Um, but just the experience, the weather. I mean, we've seen the Chiefs be bad, though. I mean, the Chiefs have not been good. But, uh, I, I, you know, maybe you can play Pacheco over rushing yards here just because they'll keep the ball on the ground. I'm sure it'll be windy if the, if the wind chill is that bad. So I'm leaning Pacheco over uh, his 66.5 rushing yards is the way I'm leaning. I'd like the Chiefs to win the game, but I don't know if they're going to cover the points. So I'll roll the player proper out, give me Pacheco's over, and we'll jump over to you, Jack. What are you seeing uh, in this frozen tundra of a game? Uh, you took the words out of my mouth. Uh, I hate when that happens. But my play in this one is going to be Pacheco over 66 and a half rushing yards. There's no doubt about in my mind that he hits this number. With the weather, with Miami's defense, I, I really think he clears that. I want to parlay that with the Chiefs' money line. I think that this is going to be – a. a Maybe, in my opinion, the best game of the slate. I know it might be ugly because of the weather and might not be a ton of points that people are looking for, but I just think that this is going to be a really tough game and and honestly a really good coaching battle between McDaniel and Andy Reid. And, uh, you know, I'm riding with Big Red and the Chiefs in this one, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Pacheco, and the experience, man. So give me them on the money line at home and, uh, and Pacheco over on the rushing. Well, it just seems seems like he got a ride with Mahomes and the Chiefs just because of the experience and obviously the defending champs, um, which should have been the Eagles, but we'll leave that in last year. Brian, what do you got on this game? Uh, we're squad riding again. I I really like Pacheco, uh, 66 and a half. I was going to do a one of my get it a little bit lower and do the 50 rushing yards and then parlay that with the Chiefs just on the money line. And I think that'll get you around an even bet which is kind of what Jack did too. So uh, we're all we're all thinking alike here. But when I do pick a player prop, I want to pick a winner as well. I guess I gave you Chiefs money line, but just for the future, I'm going to give you a prediction on every game. So I'll, I'll, I'm taking the Chiefs here. The Dolphins, they, they had every chance. Josh Allen gave them every chance in the world to win the division last week, and they couldn't get it done. And now they have to travel to two-degree Kansas City where they could be playing in 70-degree Miami. It's just a morale killer. And especially with all those guys banged up, it's just the Patrick Mahomes at home against the banged up Dolphins team. That's that's really all you need. That's all you need to hit there. But another squad ride, I love to see so just, it here. 
Just to clarify, Brian, you, you and me, we're taking the same thing with Pacheco over and parlay it with the money line. Uh, I, I Brian brought it down, down to 50. 50 yards. Down to 50. Gotcha. Okay. But, yeah, either way, you know, uh, you know, we'll ride that, Jack, because we're men, and we'll take the over on the line <laughs> set. Brian will pansy out and drop it to 50. 16 yards he's buying it'll, off It'll of that. still be like an even number 16 bet. yards he's buying. Not even taking 60 and just taking six yards off. 16 yards. Let me, let me see what it comes he, out to with 50. He's, he's eating off the board there. Which, uh, yeah. Yeah, so it'll, it makes it even. It's a uh, it makes it minus one ten. Okay, there you go. It's a normal. Either bet. way, okay, <laughs> fair enough. Anyway, let's roll on to the shit show game in the slate. <laughs> Steelers <laughs> Bills. I do hate this one. Plus ten. I mean, <laughs> Bills are minus ten in a playoff game. Maybe that kind of contradicts me saying I love the extra team getting in because there should not be a playoff game where a team is favored by double digit points. That's pretty ridiculous, if you ask me. But here we are, 2024, and we have the Bills favorited by double digits, minus 10, against the Steelers. Jack, I'll jump over to you. How do you see this one playing out? It'll be warmer in this game than it will be over in Kansas City. Which is pretty wild, but yeah, no, Matt, this is the one team in the playoffs that I just don't think belongs. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Nothing on offense that sticks out and says, dang, that's a good offense. Nothing on defense either with TJ Watt not playing in this one. I mean, it's unfortunate, but the dude can't stay healthy. And this is, you know, one of the bigger games of his career, and he's not going to be there for it. And there is no shot that the Pittsburgh Steelers win this game and advance to the next week uh, and, and get him back in time. So his season's over. Steelers' season's over after this game. Uh, you know, it, it is going to be really hard for me to touch the 10-point spread in the playoffs. I'm going to go the proper route. I'm going to take James Cook over 65 and a half rushing yards. I think that the only chance that he doesn't hit this is if Josh Allen decides that he wants to run for like 60 or 80 yards, which very well could happen. Uh, but I'm I'm going to bank on, on James Cook being able to get it done in this one. Should be able to get it done on the ground for sure, but especially with TJ Watt out, right? I mean, that, that should be a field day right there. Um, but Brian, how are you seeing this one play out? I know TJ Watt is out, but at the end of the day, in a snowy ish game with, you know, 26 degree weather, Mike Tomlin's not going to get blown out in a playoff game. He's just not going to let it happen. I know he has Mason Rudolph at quarterback, but he's, Rudolph has looked, you know, offenses came alive a little bit. Yeah, since they fired Matt Canada, they've been they've been doing well. I don't think they'll do very well against the Bills' defense on the road, but they might score at some points. So t- 10 points is disrespectful to Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers organization. So I'm taking the plus 10. Plus 10. Yeah, I, I don't know. It seems like a lot. Like, uh, is Tomlin going to go up there, uh, you know, so much experience and, and get absolutely blown out in a playoff game? I don't know. Um, I'm staying away from the spread on this one. I don't ever hand these out at all. Uh, I think they're they can be pretty tough to pick, other than uh, you know Christian McCaffrey. But I'll take Josh Allen anytime touchdown. Think he gets in the end zone here. I think uh, I don't want to say it's a lock, but I just see him get, scoring a touchdown. I don't, I don't know what it is. I just I, I got him getting in the end zone for this game. So give me Josh Allen anytime touchdown. Think that should hit, but uh, you know we'll see what happens there. But other than that. That's what I'll say as the shit show game of the week. This one, next one, Packers-Cowboys. 
Could have been a shit show game of the week, but the Packers are starting to trend in the right direction. And as an Eagles fan, you know, I want to see the Cowboys get upset at home. Will it happen? I don't know. Probably not, but it'd be pretty cool. I'm not going to take the Packers money line because that'd be stupid. You saw me do that last week. Again, it was half joking when I took the commanders for that anti-Cowboys parlay. So everyone knows that was not, that was me just hyping it up because I wanted to see it happen. But yeah, I'm not going to take the Packers on the money line. Although I'd love to see it, not going to go with it. I'm actually going to go with one where I need the Cowboys to help me out. And I'm going to take Jordan Love to throw an interception in this game. Uh, I think he probably throws one, (laughs) if we're being honest. Uh, Jack, I'll jump over to you. How do you see this one uh, playing out in Jerry's world? Yeah, I'm actually, I'm I'm pretty in on Jordan Love right now uh, with the way that he's played this season through what he's had to deal with, a lot of injuries to his receivers and running backs and just weapons overall. So I'm pretty in on the way that he's been playing. Uh, I'm really not entirely in on his coach, Matt LaFleur, uh, especially when it comes to playoff time. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm on the Cowboys for this one. Let me say that uh, with them being at home is the big one for me. They, they haven't lost at home this season. They've looked like the best team in in the league when playing at home. So I'm going to take them at home in this one. You're not going to get a lot of value on that with them being seven point favorites. So maybe I'll buy down the spread a couple points. Um, so I'm going to go with the Cowboys money line and parlay that with CD lamb to hit a hundred receiving yards, hundred plus receiving yards. Yeah. Lamb's been red hot all year. So don't hate that at all. But Brian, what do you got here? Yeah. It's been a career year for CD. Especially, I mean, he was really the reason Dak was in the MVP conversation to start the season. I, speaking of Dak, the playoffs are here. So you can expect Mr. Fraudcott to either throw some picks or get upset in this game. I don't think they end up losing here. Like Jack said, they haven't lost at home. And that should carry them against a young Packers team. That's been okay on the road. They're four and five, but they're just so young. And Jordan loves first playoff game. Uh, this defense might not have Jerry Alexander. Jordan Love's weapons are all questionable. So it's just all signs are pointing the Cowboys to win. I do think seven is a lot of points, but I won't touch the spread. I'm going to go with the all-purpose yards route and take Aaron Jones on the over there. Uh, Aaron Jones has been an absolute monster these last three weeks of the regular season. He's a big reason the Packers were able to make the playoffs. And I know the Cowboys' defense is decent. Their run defense is pretty good. But they haven't been the same this second half of the year. And I just think... If the Packers are going to win this game, they're going to have to rely heavily on Aaron Jones. So I like his all-purpose yards. Yeah, Uh, some good stuff there. I want you guys to keep in mind, this is McCarthy going up against the Packers here, his old team that he won a Super Bowl for. So for that reason alone, I know the Cowboys are going to be ready for this game. I know they're not losing this game. And I kind of want to take six and a half. I'm not going to just because, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to do that to myself uh, and sweat that one out. But I wouldn't be surprised if McCarthy sticks it to his old team here. It's the Cowboys, though. Like, I, even with all the storylines and everything, it's Dak Prescott and it's the Cowboys. And Mike McCarthy's a known playoff choke artist. That is true. I was going to say McCarthy is a uh, playoff hero here. Let's give them one game. One game. There you go. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Cowboys definitely should be able to handle uh, the Packers, but we'll see. I think, I don't know. Like I said, for my pick, I think Jordan Love throws a pick here um, in this game. Uh, Probably should happen, but uh, let's jump over to possibly the game of the week, Sunday night. Oh, definitely. 
Definitely Rams traveling to Detroit. Matt Stafford returning to where he played 13 or whatever years of his NFL pro career. Yeah, look, the Lions have been dominant all year. Um, and, and I think they still even, you know, have a shot to win this game. But if you're telling me Matt Stafford's not going to keep it close, you're on crack. He is going out there. He, you don't think he wants to win this game? He wants to win this game. He wants to win this game bad. When you just look at the quarterback, Stafford versus Goff, I'm taking Stafford seven days of the week. All day, every day, I you know, I'm leaning Stafford on that one. Come into Detroit where he's used to. He's used to just the whole atmosphere there. Um, you know, I'll, I'll take a half point here and take the Rams plus three and a half. I think they keep it close. And I think they got a shot to even win this game, but I'll go Rams plus three and a half. I think Stafford balls out and, uh, and keeps the Rams in this game. I know it's plus three right now. I'll take the half point. Give me Stafford to play well. Rams plus three and a half, and uh, I wouldn't hate to see them uh, knock off the Lions. But, uh, Bri, what do you got here? Yeah, no, I also love the Rams in this spot. I I do think they'll win the game, um, but that's not going to be my play. Unfortunately, we don't get the Fox cameras for this one. It will be on NBC, but it's still Ford Field. It's still the aesthetics. The Rams will have the whites on. The Lions should have their home blues on. First home game in Detroit since 94. It's going over. The Lions are going to score, but that defense is not good enough to hold the Rams that have a great offense, and that offense is run by Sean McVay, who knows how to win the playoffs. This is going to be like a 35-32 to 32 final. I think Stafford leads the Rams down the field to win it and break the hearts of all Detroit once again because that city never gets anything nice. Um, but, yeah, I think the Rams win, but I'm more confident in the over. Man, this this game hurts. It, I'm I'm really looking forward to it, but it hurts, and it hurts because I've been rooting for the Lions and Dan Campbell and Jared Goff and the, and the the comeback kid, you know, all season long, and they finally punch their ticket. They get a home playoff game, and they got to face probably the hottest team in in the NFC right now, um, in the Rams and Matt Stafford in a in a, in a homecoming game. I like the Rams, man. They're they're three point dogs right now, so you're gonna get them a plus money. I like the Rams, man. I like Stafford. I like McVeigh. I like the receivers. I mean, they've been pairing teams up, and Cooper Cup hasn't even been a focal point of their offense. And now here come the playoffs when Cooper Cup is, uh, you know, the man. So I'm just so excited for this uh, for this Rams team and, and offense, and I think they're gonna be able to get it done. They should be able to get it done. I mean, Stafford versus Goff, like I said, I'm taking Stafford. He just, he, he's going in there. You know, I think he's going to play lights out. I think an important piece for the Lions, big third down conversion guy, Sam Laporta out this game, which I think will definitely hurt them, uh, you know, obviously the whole whole game. But uh, I think if you want to take like a sneaky route, uh, a prop route, you could definitely, and it's probably not even that sneaky, but I think Amon Ra is probably going over his receiving yards in this game. I think that should be pretty much a lock. Um, you know, obviously, I don't think the Rams – or the Rams, the Lions win. I mean, I like the Rams plus three and a half. I think they got a shot to win. But, you know, Amon Ra is going to have to play a big part in this game. So, I think you can take Amon Ra over receiving yards as well. Maybe even sprinkle anytime touchdown. But I won't make that an official pick. Before we do move on – uh, I, I do know this is obviously Stafford versus his old team and a great game. It is a real shame the Rams ended up beating the 49ers last week with the backups in. Because then we would have had the Rams play the Cowboys and then the Packers would have traveled to Detroit. And I think that's the scenario there where the Rams do upset the Cowboys. 
and the Lions take care of the Packers, and then that's a much better divisional round uh, with the Lions and the Rams both there, at least in my opinion. But so I think there's that's a little a little tough, but I don't know. Cowboys fans might disagree. Yeah, they definitely will. But uh, either way, I mean, it's tough to see that. But I definitely I would have loved to see because Stafford's from Texas as well, so he would have had family at the game. What a you know. It just would have been a whole 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 scene for him to go down there and uh and they play lights them. out. They would have won that game. They would have won that game. I'm confident in that. But now we roll into the anxiety ridden <laughs> Monday night football playoff game for whatever reason they do that now. I understand it's a holiday weekend. It is an MLK day on Monday, so that's I guess holiday night football playoff game decided to do. Uh, five seed traveled down to the four seed to play in Tampa. They played there on Monday night earlier in the season and handled business. They won, I think, like twenty-five to eight, and and pretty much had a handle on that game the entire time. This is obviously a completely different Eagles team now in terms of just morale, chemistry. Coaches have no idea what the hell's going on. Uh, you know, top five, maybe even top three roster in football, and they're just not playing like it. So. Of course, you know, I, I, I kind of just wanted this game to be at one o'clock and just get it out of the way. And, and um, you know, I can start counting down the days for when pitchers and catchers report for baseball. But nope, got to go the whole weekend, uh, wait it all, sweat it all out and uh, get to Monday night. <sighs> I don't know, man. Obviously, I got to take the birds. I'll take a minus two and a half to win the game. I'll take a Hertz anytime touchdown. He'll probably get a Philly shove at the goal line um, and then just like i don't know man lose the game and just put us out of our misery or win the game and then probably have to go play the niners next week either way shit storm brewing but it, it the only thing they have going for them is look whenever the eagles or, or you know everyone thinks the eagles can't do anything and they're a mess and this that and the third they always find a way to somehow pull it out so i think with everybody kind of like all not all against them but nobody has any faith Maybe we'll see them turn around. Um, that's the only kind of silver lining I could kind of come up with there um, for that. But, I mean, I try not to be that unrealistic. Try to keep it pretty real. But, like, yeah, you know, I don't have a lot of faith. If they win this game, great. I mean, I have no faith in them winning the Super Bowl. Uh, it's really – really been a, a historical collapse. I mean, like I said, start 10-1 and one and now you're the five seed. It's unheard of. Like, that should not happen ever, ever. I get the schedule got tough, but, like, dude, what the hell? The Chiefs have a home playoff game. They fucking managed to do that. Why couldn't you? I don't know. Uh, I don't have I don't yeah, have much yeah. on it, dude. I, I mean, I'm just not that confident. I mean, I guess, like, they're in a playoff game, so we get an extra week. But, like, I mean, dude, I could see like Mike Evans literally like having 200 receiving yards and like going <laughs> off and the Eagles losing. I like would not be surprised. What? Like who's going to cover him? Eli Ricks. Like that guy has been Swiss cheese. I know Darius Slay's back and they do get some guys back this weekend. Like I said, the only thing everyone thinks they can't do anything now. So maybe they turn it around and surprise some people, but I don't know, man, traveling to I, whatever, dude, go travel out to San Francisco and try and win a football game. But we can't even look past this because they might fucking lose this game, too. But I won't get all fired up, even though I kind of already did. Uh, Jack, how are you, how are you seeing uh, it going down Monday night? Oh, uh, the Eagles bounce back, man. So you're going to have to go through this for another week. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, 
The Eagles bounce back. They win this game. Uh, like I told you on the last game, the, the Rams are going to beat the Lions. So how this NFC is shaking out, the Eagles are going to win. The Cowboys are going to win. They're going to have themselves a, a matchup next week. And the uh, the L.A. Rams are going to play the San Francisco 49ers. So you're going to have two, you know, very uh, history uh, riddled games. And uh, I, I don't have a lot of faith in the Bucks. I think A.J. Brown is actually the one that's going to go for 200 yards and two touchdowns, not Mike Evans. Uh, so my play in this one is going to be A.J. Brown anytime touchdown and the Eagles to win, uh, you know, I, I could do I could do two and a half, but I'll just take the money line with an AJ Brown touchdown. What do you got, Brian? So disappointed in you. The the Auburn Buccaneers, the Auburn secondary Buccaneers with Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis are going to take care of business in this one. Uh, KJ Britt's there too. He's been getting more snaps. It's this game is on ESPN, obviously Monday Night Football. Eli Manning's on the Manning cast. He's going to get to flip the bird one final time to the birds. And send them off this season. Baker Mayfield's headed to the second round. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be two wins away from making it to the Super Bowl somehow. And, yeah, so Buccaneers money line at home. I I mean, like, I usually hate your hate your anti-Eagle shit, but, like, dude, like, they totally could win this game. I, mean, I, I like, think they will. Like, this totally is my brain could. talking, not even my heart. Like, I think this is literally could win this game. The Bucks have like obviously played better down the stretch and the Eagles have collapsed down the stretch. So you can look at that game where the Eagles won 25 to eight in Tampa, but it's completely different uh, scenario now in the playoffs. Yeah. The Eagles fans travel well. It will be a lot of green down there. So that'll kind of help in their favor a little bit. Um, you know, I do remember earlier in the season, it, it was getting loud on third down for the Bucks uh, because all the Philly fans in there, I, I you know, maybe they'll have some crowd control now and they won't let uh, those, uh, you know, rowdy fans get in there. But I, I think you'll still see a pretty good uh, sea of green that, uh, you know, might help the Eagles a little bit, but the coaching has to figure it out. I mean, they got to be able to dial up some kind of offensive game plan that doesn't include wide receiver screens to tight ends uh, and ha have your 110 pound wide receiver be the lead blocker. That would be, uh, you know, play number one that I would address or should have addressed uh, two months ago, but either way, hopefully they can get it done. Now, you know, I have to go through the whole weekend to kind of see how everything plays out and then, you know, get to Monday and just be like, Oh my gosh, now I got to sit through this, but, and it's on a night where I have to go to work the next day. So I have to stay up all like all the way till midnight to possibly have, have, you know, put the nail in the coffin and then go to bed and then wake up and go to work. So not looking forward to that. Not looking forward to this game at all. I get it. It's the playoffs. Um, and, you know, teams love to be here. Making the playoffs is, is almost like a, you know, W season in itself for some teams, but the way it's shaping up in the Eagles and, and the, you know, high aspirations they had all year to have this collapse of, you know, being 10 and one. And now you're the five seed. It's just so tough to have a read, but, Hopefully they get it done. And then I know you did say, Jack, they're playing. I guess they would match up against the Cowboys. I thought they'd match up against the Niners, but I guess it is kind of how the games play out and what seeding seating happens. Um, but either way, I mean, what, dude? The Eagles got to win three road games to get to the Super Bowl? Not confident. Not confident in that happening. So that's all I got for that game. That's all we got for the show. No, it's been a long one. Appreciate everybody. Uh, following along tuning in 
I know my picks haven't been red hot, but I'm feeling real confident for the playoffs. I tried to I tried to bring some juice. I feel confident in the plays. I know Jack and Brian have been pretty hot, so their plays are probably going to be uh, pretty rock solid. And we've been pretty much in line for the whole NFL slate. I mean, I know we started off with two squad rides, so the picks stayed. See, you know, everyone was seemed to be leaning relatively the right way. I know not every single one was the same, but other than that, those are the picks. That's the show. I'm Matt. We got Jack, Brian. It's views from Section 400. I got nothing else. Eagles, I don't even know what to say. Win a fucking football game. Why the fuck did the Yankees just sign Marcus Stroman? Thank you, David Montgomery.